Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Today we have a real-life NASA astronaut in Studio J. That's right, Leland Melvin stops by. He's going to talk to Chris about traveling to space, his NASA career, how he started off playing football in transition to an astronaut, how space exploration will impact our future, the privatization of space travel, and the important questions like how do you take a number two in space? How do you eat in space? Can you fight in space? So lock in your helmets Enjoy the show, and please have a great day. So one of the first things we ever did in this studio was uh, we did a Halloween pod, and I was an astronaut, Cowboy Reed. Do you remember that a couple years ago? That's right. We had two astronaut uniforms for you, and the yeah. best was you pulled your visor up, yeah. and you were just breathing into the mic. Yes, I was breathing into the microphone. Uh, was it, it an orange pumpkin suit it was, yeah, or had, white the white suit? I had the white one, and I had the orange one. The orange one... Um, what do they call that? The rise on the pants was too high, so I couldn't get the pants on, which is a problem because so it's all one suit. issues going <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah, dude. Okay. So I got a real astronaut in here today for the first time. I was joking with Leland Melvin, uh, who joins us in studio, which is awesome. Um, good to be here, man. Yeah, Thank man. You. It's good, it's good to have you. It's been four years in the making, basically. I know, right? I Since mean, our on-stage panel at University of Virginia. Can I tell you something, man? I feel outclassed a lot in my life, but when I showed up and they were like, hey, you're going to talk with a few people today about, I don't even remember what we were talking about, honestly, but I was just so shell-shocked by the resumes of the people on the stage, including yourself, who... Everyone has one red underwear, man. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? The first is actually, mine's uh, mine's yellow. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. So Thanks so, for sharing that, brother. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm breaking the ice. But... Um, this is the first astronaut, needless to say, we've had in in, uh, in Studio J, as we call it. And we were talking offline. Is there one personality trait or one skill set, you know, because we were talking about kids in school, right. you know, that dictates whether or not you can become an astronaut? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the main personality trait is the same personality trait to be a ball player. It's that 
you put the work in and you do it. Yeah. I mean, this it's that mindset that I'm capable of doing anything, right? And and we had a guy, um, John Harrington, the first Native American astronaut, yeah. who was in college. He was flunking out. He had like a D minus average, and he was he just wanted to hike and go up on mountains. And he was with his surveyor. The surveyor said, "Dude, you're a smart guy. What are you doing up here?" And just need that one guy to like reset him. He graduated from college, went to the military, and flew in space two times. So someone with a D minus average becoming an astronaut. You don't you don't see that. You don't hear that, right? Yeah. And it's possible if you get someone that says that you have access, opportunity, and belief in yourself. Yeah. That's the same thing with ball. As with anything, right? Yeah. You got to at some point believe that you are capable of doing that. What were the barriers to you believing you could do it when you were a kid? I think we talked about <laughs> this. I mean, you, I, I heard you talk about the uh, the speech you heard, one st- one small step, one right. giant step. That right. whole speech that we all know, even if we're not astronauts. Right. You're you're hearing that speech as a kid. Did you feel like it was possible for you? Well, I was a kid when Neil and Buzz walked on the moon. You weren't. How were you when 1969? July. Uh, twinkle. It was Twinkle. <laughs> yeah. And your mom and dad's eyes. Hey, there he Nine is. Nine-year-old Howie Long's eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm 1985. 85? So, yeah. Okay. So I'm five years old. Yeah. And I'm the kid holding the rabbit ears on the Sylvania black and white television set. Yeah. So I actually never saw the actual transmission. Right. But, you know, I knew that there were you know, these two white dudes with crew cuts who were military. And, you know, my dad was in the military. So it wasn't a military thing. It was just like, I didn't see someone look like me. And that next day we went to play astronaut outside and they said, well, what do you want to be? You don't be Neil, Neil or Buzz. I'm like, I'm going to be Arthur Ashe. Right. Because Arthur Ashe trained five blocks down the street from where I grew up on, in Lynchburg, Virginia on Pierce Street. Yeah. And so, you know, my dad talked about his intelligence, his athleticism. He was winning all these tournaments and stuff. And I'm like, I want to be like him. So I had this role model that I was going to try to emulate. I started playing tennis and so I never imagined an astronaut or working at NASA as something that was... For whatever reason, you know, maybe it was just that one moment that said, you can't do that. And uh, fast forward, I'm working at NASA after, you know, stints in NFL and whatever for a minute. Um, this guy says, hey, you'd be a great astronaut. He hands me an application and I look at it, don't fill it out. And that same year that I didn't fill the application out, one of my boys, he got in and I said to myself, if that knucklehead could get yeah, in, exactly. you know, you see that competition thing, yeah. like your boys and like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. he did how many pull-ups? Yeah. And so I applied the next selection and I got in because I saw someone who was a knucklehead and if he can do it, I can do it. Well, it's that competitive spirit. A little bit. And you're a ball player. Yeah. That's what people don't know. Give people your football background a little bit. Yeah. So out of uh, University of Richmond, so starting in high school though, I'm going to tell you this story, senior year. I was on a running team, wide receiver on a running team, running down the sideline to catch the touchdown pass in the end zone, three minutes left, and I dropped the pass in the end zone. Go to the sideline, Coach Jimmy Green grabs my face mask. I'm ready to be benched. He looks at me in the eye and said, look, get back out there and catch the ball this time. Run the same play. Catch it this time. There's a scout from Richmond who's walking out of the stadium, hears the crowd screaming the second time. And see, he comes back and sees me in the end zone doing a little dance. He's on his way out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's leaving. Yeah. Morgan Hout was the receiver coach. Yeah. And he said, if this guy can recover from such horrific failure, his friends are there, his boys are there, his parents are there, I'm going to give him a scholarship. $186,000 scholarship to the University of Richmond because I didn't give up. 
And that set a tone in my head that if you keep trying, you get these opportunities. And so went to Richmond, 0-10 freshman year, 3-8, and 8-5 playoffs in the senior year. The Lions came down, the um, Denver came, and the Cowboys came, did some, uh, some scouting stuff. Got drafted to the Lions in 11th round, 86 college draft, pulled a hammy in training camp, played some preseason games, then started at UVA in material science. And then they videotaped the courses and mailed them to Dallas. I got picked up by Dallas for free agency. And uh, so I was doing material science at night and, you know, Tom Landry and Danny White. Danny White's before your time too. Yeah, you? Danny White's before my time. Yeah, so Danny and I were going out to throw and catch a little bit and I was I was stretching from my hammy, you know, just trying to get loose. And we were about to do a 10 yard half speed out. Tom Landry walks on the field. Danny sees Tom. I see Tom. I know what's about to happen. He does an audible to take it to the take, take it to the barn. <laughs> so he's like, fuck <laughs> yeah. this. I'm going to show Tom. Here, I've got it. We got to run the nine route. <laughs> yeah. We're doing the nine route <laughs> yeah. from a half speed out. And, you know, I see him. I'm like, oh, I better, you know, I can't yeah. just go half speed. Yeah. And I, I take off and pull the hammy the second time. And that's the end of my career. So I thank Danny White for helping me get to space. Yeah. Or Tom Landry. Or, well, with Tom the, Landry. With the peer Tom pressure. Landry. Right, right, right. Tom deserves an assist, dude. <laughs> the John Stockton this situation, there dude. There you go. What was Tom Landry like? Ghost in the machine. Yeah. He, uh, the rookies, he really wouldn't talk to. He'd see us and, you know, maybe wave or something. But um, he only talked to Herschel. Herschel was there. Mike Sherrard. Um, Danny. Steve Pelour, I think he was there, quarterback. Dorsett was there, too. Yeah, Dorsett. Before he went, got traded to Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was there for a minute. And he... I, I'll never forget we were lifting and Tony was like, hey, rookie, get out of my way. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that, that feels good, though, to get to get yeah. bossed around by Tony, Tony Dorsett. Dorsett yeah. like, I'll, I'll take that. I've made it. If Tony Dorsett needs this uh, this bench press machine. More than I do. Yeah, right. we're good. Right. I, I was going to say, like, you, you, gotta, you, you have a little piece of equipment in uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, my dad, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think mine is displayed as prominently as yours, so. I wonder if there's anybody between here and Lynchburg that's got something in the Hall of Fame. That's I think it's you and Howie Long. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, when I went to space, uh, my first mission, they called me up and they said, we want to you know, send your jerseys up to the space station. Right. And uh, they sent me a football in my, both of my jerseys, so I took... Pictures in space with my jerseys on, and That's you know cool. it's kind of cool. And then they—it's hard to get the jersey on at like at sea level, but it's easy in space. It's easy to get your jersey on. In you space? just go, you just <laughs> you just float into it. You know? That's so damn cool. <laughs> That's why you got to go to space. Man. I would love to go to space. Now, when do you want to go? Well, so th so this is the question. I got a friend who oh, went to space. Yeah, I got a patch now. You got your honorary astronaut patch, you man. I have an you honorary can... astronaut patch. I think, like, if you try to get on the space shuttle, you just show them this. You know, take that to Elon Musk. Oh, take it to Elon Musk. While you're doing Twitter. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about, like, the privatization of, of space travel? It's fantastic because good. the more people that get the opportunity to see the planet from that vantage point, it changes the way you see humanity. Like, like my little pea-sized brain when I look, look out the window of the space shuttle, we're going around the planet every 90 minutes. We see all of civilization, everyone who's down there working and living. We see, you know, you fly over Manhattan, you fly over Virginia. When we come over Virginia and I'm looking down and my parents are probably having a meal. Five minutes later, we're flying over Paris. 
And I went there with a, a, a French astronaut, Leo Eihartz. Yeah. He said, yeah, my parents are probably having wine and cheese, Leland. <laughs> and then Yuri, the Russian astronaut on the board, he's looking over to Moscow. He says, my parents are probably having borscht. You potatoes. Know, and potatoes and borscht. Vodka. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in that, that one little swath of time, we saw three hometowns of three different people, and it connects you in a way that nothing else can. It, it changes the way you you see yourself with the planet and humanity. You think if everybody went up to space, we'd be a lot better off. Like we'd be able to solve a lot more of our problems at home. I think people would see that if we don't work together in space, like if I flip the wrong switch, if Yuri flips the wrong switch, if Hans flips the wrong switch, we're all dead. And so you see the, the gravity of playing ball. Someone's pulling to do a block, you know, you get paralyzed because the person didn't do his assignment. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, highly functioning teams doing highly critical things. People get it, right? We get it. You know, we get it in space. But I think back here on the planet, you don't see the time constant of something happening like to the planet, you know, environmentally. Right. You know, oh, that's going to happen 50 years from right. now, 100 years from now. So I don't have to worry about it. But it's, you know, it's exacerbated now. Also I, makes you feel small. It makes you feel big. Or big. When you look back from space. Yeah. It, you feel this, you see this, this beautiful planet. Think about it. It's a huge planet, but we get around the entire planet in 90 minutes. So I see the whole planet in 90 minutes. Good Lord. Right you see a thunderstorm the next time yeah or you or it's getting dark and you see these lights coming on that's the footprint of humanity Good wherever Lord. you see a light yeah. you may see a fire in africa yeah in the middle of africa somewhere and people are living and working and making love Wh whatever they're doing they're living and i see them every 90 you know 90 minutes what about geological features like what's the most mind-blowing Thing that you're, I mean, do you see, you see Nepal and like yeah. the Himalayas, or you see mm -hmm. the Caribbean, or yeah. you know, like what blows your mind from up there? I'm sure it all does, but in the U.S., it was Crater Lake. You see this lake; it's the deepest lake in our country, right? And it's at these levels of blue um, because it's so deep. It's like really, really deep, dark blue. Yeah. And then you're flying over places like the Caribbean. And, you know, I, I know maybe five definitions of the color blue, like, you know, navy blue, yeah. bluebird blue, you know, uh -huh. light blue, turquoise, whatever. But you need like 30 more definitions of blue to describe the colors that you're actually seeing because yeah. they're so different and vibrant. Man. It's just, it blows you away. And all these people at the ISS are obviously from different countries and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it is it a fun time up there? Or is it just like when you're not hitting the switch that could decide whether all you go pirouetting down into the atmosphere or like into a black hole? <laughs> like, is it fun in between those heavier yeah. moments? We do stupid astronaut tricks. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So let's say you're like up pranks there. Pranks and shit? Huh? Pranks and shit? Yeah. Do you get pranked in space? So you'll ball up into a ball. Yeah. Someone will bowl you down into the astronaut pins, you know? Like bowling, uh, you know, bowling astronauts. <laughs> Who's the ball first? <laughs> right. You know, you draw, you draw straws. You draw straws, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or the little guy is easier to get in the ball <laughs> and you just push him down. <laughs> That's so cool. What's the ISS look like? What kind of rooms are in there? Like, uh, what yeah. is there to do there? 
Yeah, there's uh, it's the size of a football field. Yeah. So you look at the solar panels, and then you have these basically soda can looking things connected with radiators, and so you have these um, sleep stations. It's kind of padded inside. You've got a laptop that you can talk to your family on, get your snacks and things in there. Talk to your family. Yeah. Like Zoom, basically? You can basically a Zoom call. It's like a FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, so when I was up there, <laughs> this is crazy, I had my birthday in space. February, oh, really? February 15th. <laughs> and I was overworking in the Russian segment, and my commander comes up and says, hey, Leland, you got to get your butt back to the flight deck. There's something over there you, you forgot to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm floating, I'm like, you know, swimming through the space station. I get up to the flight deck, and all of my family and friends are at NASA Langley Research Center in a conference room with a big happy birthday sign up. And my mom and dad, man, I mean, they're gone now, but they were there and just, you know how how your dad is so proud. Mm-hmm. If I see his son, how you see your sons and you're proud. Mm-hmm. To see that pride of my father from space was just, it was like life changing. And they said, okay, we're eating your cake. But uh, do some of that stupid astronaut stuff, you know. So I'm like doing a flip, and my butt hits the hits the screen, and the camera is like going all over, you yeah. know. Hell yeah! <laughs> you still still a big kid up there. You got to be, man. The longest you've been in space is how long? So two missions, 565 hours. 565. So that's about two weeks, two and a half weeks, two weeks. or so. Is that daunting for you? I mean, like you could have all these skills, I imagine as an astronaut. I mean, I know that there's not one particular skill as we discussed, but you could be type A, you could be resilient, you could be highly intelligent, but if you're not good at sitting still, I know it's not all sitting still up there, but just being stuck somewhere. Is that that a barrier to entry, the claustrophobia? Now that's a barrier. Because to to see if you have that right stuff, they put you in this thing called a personal rescue sphere. When you go down to interview to become an astronaut, it's this ball that's about this big, and you're curled up in it. They have a heart rate monitor on you. They have a beanie cap from the Apollo era. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to stay in there until you freak. Now, I, f- I just went to sleep. You know, I was, I was like, okay, I'm Popped just gonna- an Ambien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't pop an Ambien, but- I'd an Ambien. But, but I'd be if, like, I'm ready. But if you freak, you know- <laughs> Yes. You're not getting in. How, so how long impress NASA? How long do you stay in there if you if you want to impress NASA? They like, watch your heart rate and they just they just sit there and see if you're going to It's really more less the length of time than you start your heart rate going up and you start to freak out. Cuz they can They can see they're watching they're everything. They're monitoring that. Yeah. You can't yeah. bullshit NASA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you try. Yeah. But you can't you can't bullshit NASA. So what's harder training like a training camp at Richmond, circa 1980, whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, in the heat right. down there, uh, right. or, or a Dallas training camp, or training to become an astronaut? Yeah, that's a good question. They're different. I mean, the, the heat you have when you go do survival training, yeah, and then you also bond with your team. We went on these uh, hikes in Utah, like a, 10 days in Utah with backpacks and you got to cook, find water, do all of that. So it's more, you know, Knowles. Yeah, Knowles, yeah. yeah we, did, mm-hmm. we did two Knowles trips yeah. as a crew, as a team, to see what's going to stress you out. And like one of my, uh, the pilot on my mission, my, f- my first mission, whenever he didn't get enough water, he would start to get snappy. And so in space, you know, so he demonstrated that in Utah. In space, if he started getting a little snappy, dude, you need some water. 
drink this water. So you get to know what are the trigger points for your, your boys and your girls so that that doesn't happen in space. Or if it happens, you can mitigate it, you know. Are there disagreements in space? Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Ugly? You can't fight in space. You can. <laughs> I mean, you, like? you can go at it, but once you hit someone, then you're, whoa. You yeah, know, it's like you're, dream. You're reacting Do you ever have a it? dream where you can't, like, I always have this dream where, like, my punches just won't land. Like, they're going <laughs> slow. I'm sure it's something psychological, and here I am. Some of you motherfuckers listening to this are all, <laughs> you know, dream analysts or something or psychiatrists, but is it like that? It's so if, if, if you were to try to grab somebody in space, like. So if you're against the wall and I'm pushing off from this other wall, yeah. I can, I can land it and yeah. knock you out. Right. Cause, cause you're not going anywhere. And that the force the of force. my fist is going into your body. But if I were to be anchored on something and you're floating and I hit you, you're just gonna react and float off of that. So I'm not gonna be able to land it as hard yeah. and knock you out as though, you know, if you were pinned or something. But it is managing stress up there. I mean, it's a ridiculous hypothetical for me, like imagine people fight in space, but you just said it, like people, you're still human beings, you're not right. robots, so stress is a part of okay, going yeah, up in yeah, space. Yeah, like, yeah. and the, these are variables that- I Triggers, mean, what, what, what triggers you? You know, and if you know yourself, you know what's gonna trigger you, so you, you say, hey, I'm about to get triggered, let me fix this. Because up there, it's, it's, if something happens up there, it can be game over for the whole space station. I mean, that, for the whole space program. That, yeah. Let's say we lost the space station. They're not building another space station because all these components come from all over the world. The Russian segment, the European segment, you know, the American segment, they're all pieces, parts that will never be built again, you know? In, in a timely manner to put the space station back up there. Until Tesla builds it or something. Well, there's a company, Axiom Space, right now building a space station. They're gonna have parts that attach to our current space station, and then once they deorbit the ISS, they're gonna then undock their pieces and have, have their own space station. So you could go up there and, you know, have a, uh, another honeymoon or something. That'd be, or, that'd be kinda dope. I mean, yeah. getting be- up there seems too. like the issue. No, why? I mean, how claustrophobic is it to get up there? Michael Strahan, one of my buddies just went up on yeah. the- um, Is he claustrophobic? Probably not, presuming he's not. And I don't think I am. I think I'm claustrophobic if it's for nothing. Like, if I'm not going anywhere, I don't want to sit in this fucking suitcase. So if you're in an elevator. But if I'm going on the moon, I might be able to stick it out. Yeah, but think about it. You're, you're in that seat. You're pulling three Gs, you know, going through your chest, right? Yeah. You're, it's, a, it's a dynamic, kinetic experience. As you're, you know, you're shaking, you're moving. So you don't have time to think about a no, small space. No. You're just trying to. And you're, and you're going to be in mission mode. You're going to be in, we got to get the wind mode. We got to yeah. get the space safely. So yeah, the yeah. things that you have to do through training you know, that will help the crew, the team, get to space safely, you're gonna be doing that. Is that the most dangerous part of being an astronaut, the takeoff? No, it's the whole, the whole thing. The whole thing, holistically. Because when we lost yeah. Space Shuttle Columbia, they were coming home. Right. And we had had a piece of foam come off the tank, hit the wing, a hole about that big in the wing. And, that's... and then when they re-entered into the atmosphere, it's like 3,000 degree plasma that came into the wing and melted it so you can have problems coming home just like you can even with no fuel you can still have the environment take you out i mean it's probably one of the most dangerous it's where would you think race car well we had 135 space shuttle missions and two catastrophic failures so one in 70 
I think yeah. race race car is probably f worse than that. No, maybe no. Not. Race car is better than that. Is it? Yeah, I mean it's a dangerous job. So yeah. you know, yeah. when you'd go up to space, I mean, is it unhealthy to grapple with that possibility that you're not coming back, or do you just lay it out there for people you love and you know make that extra phone call, or right? Is it counter to the mission to even consider that? But it depends on what the mission is. Yeah. If you're going there to do some flips and stupid astronaut tricks and bold and astronauts, yeah. that's one thing. But if you're going up there to help, you know, advance civilization, that's a whole nother. You're giving, potentially giving your life to help your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren have a better, a better way of life. Yeah. And so in that mission, I think people are like, you know, laser beam focused on, let's get this job done for our kids. You know, so what's an example of one of those missions where it's of the utmost importance and yeah, so building this outpost so that people can live there. You know, we we just sent up some some tourists with a buddy of mine, Mike Lopez Alegria, and took them up. They did some experiments on water and, and different things. Um, but I think you know, we think about all the technologically advances and these space stations and stuff. I think the biggest thing is having people that used to fight against each other live and work together and get along for six months or for a year off the planet. Right. And if those people can come back from their respective spaces and say, look, we lived and worked together. We used to fight against each other. Let's, let's get our stuff together, you know, here on the planet. And um, I think the, the human part of existing is exacerbated when you go into a, a dangerous environment, but you figure out how to do it, you know, cause people are stressed out. And if you're stressed out, you may resort back to, hey, I used to try to kill Americans because I'm Russian and we used to fight against the Cold War and all of this. Well, that's gone. And now you're trying to, you know, befriend right. these people and live with these people from, from a long duration standpoint. I think it's so interesting because we see it all the time in disasters. You know, we're such a divided people world. People together under the disaster. And when you're, when you're faced with an existential crisis mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a group of people, I mean a small group of people, everyone helps one another for right. the most part. Right. I'm sure there are some bad actors. Always. Who choose number one, but it's the same thing I suppose in space. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the consequences are so dire if you don't work together. Yeah. What is going to space and seeing what you've seen, you know, the earth at the scale you see it, Mm -hmm. What does going up to space do for your faith, if you have faith? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, for me, looking at the planet and just thinking of all those billions of people down there working and living, and I'm, and I'm blessed to have this moment to look back and see that, but also to turn around and look at the deep and darkness of space, you know, and what's out there, what's up there, what happened after the Big Bang, you know, who's who's turning all of this, you know, it, it amplified my faith. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, my parents were always very, you know, religious, spiritual, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I was always in church, but for me to, for, so I got to tell you this quick story. So, you know, I lost my hearing in my left ear. Training. I have, I have no hearing in this training ear. thing. Right, the yeah. training accident. But before that accident happened, my parents were having their 35th wedding anniversary in Lynchburg. I was there with my cousin and her best friend. Her best friend's name was Jeanette. Jeanette said, Leland, something's gonna happen to you. No one's gonna know why it happened. You will be healed of this. You will fly in space. And this will be your testimony that you share with the world. That was on a Saturday. Sunday was the service. 
Monday, I flew back to Houston. Tuesday, I'm in this EVA suit, five million gallon pool, down 20 feet down, telling the test director to turn the volume up in the headset. When I got out of the pool, they popped my helmet off and there was blood coming out of my right ear. I was completely deaf. And my hearing in this ear came back. I'm medically disqualified to fly in space. The doctor said, you will never fly in space because you only have one ear. And you only have one ear in the speaking frequencies only, not even high frequencies. So if sirens and things go off, I might not be able to hear it. Right. But that's, that was her testimony to me. She was prophetic right. and all of that. And the day that this doctor said, I believe in you, sign me a waiver to fly in space. And so I called Jeanette, her name was Jeanette. I said, Jeanette, your prophecy was spot on. So that was like, yeah. you know, reaffirming of, you know, the power of, of this ability to, to transform and to have this faith that you can do things. When you're building a dream team, great scouts can help you find the future MVPs first. To hire great talent faster, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is the unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Sign up for Indeed now and get $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit indeed.com slash bluewire to learn more. Claim your credits at indeed.com slash bluewire. Indeed.com slash bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you think it's possible that science, I mean, obviously, it's almost a rhetorical question, seeing as what you've done with your life, but science can meet faith somewhere. Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. don't have it. Yeah. We don't have the full answer on either end of the. But we have people that are saying here. either, or, you know, it's either this or it's yeah, either that. Yeah. And it's both. Somebody made this. Right. Right. How, what the first thing was, was it the Big Bang or the mystery of it? I mean, like everybody at this point has like, you know, heard the, hey, there's so many solar systems or so many galaxies. This is how small you this are. New black hole in our, in our solar system, right? I just heard the black hole. Bro. That's what it sounds like? Dude. Just, that's what the fuck it sounded like to me. It sounded like something that was eating planets and shit like oh, that. Oh, it is. I know. Think about, I mean, think about the, the power and energy of a black hole capable of sucking in every, sucking in light. Light doesn't have enough velocity to not be sucked in to the black hole. And that's how we know where the black holes are because it's the absence of light. Right. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about how do we know faith in God and all this stuff. Think about the James Webb Space Telescope that just got just got commissioned in space. Hubble Telescope could see 400 million years back in time. The James Webb will see 100, no, 100 
billion, no, no million. Years another back. zero. Yeah, another zero back. Just another zero, dude. <laughs> Just another. <laughs> <laughs> when y'all run out of zeros, it's like. But you'll be able to see more granularity of what happened after the Big Bang. No way. Yeah. And that, so the more, the more you see, the closer you are, maybe we can make some inferences on what happened, how it happened. So when, when is this new telescope dropping? Oh, it's, it's here. It's up there now. It's up there. They just commissioned it. They had to do all these series of tests and things to make sure that it was, the optics were lined up. So when do we get our information? I think soon. Really? Soon. That's going to be huge. Is there one? Will you, pe- go down to, will you go down to NASA with me to? Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? Check it out. Yeah. So what's the next piece of information that you're like waiting with bated breath on? Like, what's the thing you want to know? I know you want to know everything. Do I want to know? Yeah. Like we're at the, we're on the cusp of figuring something out in space. What is that thing that you're like, this is what I'm wondering about. And there's a, there's a distinct possibility that I have the answer in my lifetime. When the Lions will win a Super Bowl. Ah! (laughs) I got bad news for you. (laughs) Even the astronauts can't figure that one out. Even the new telescope can't figure that what's, one out. What's up with that? Can we get man? a telescope to look backwards and, and see uh, and see uh, see why they couldn't win with Barry Sanders in the nineties? I 90s? know. I know. Uh, you you were a fan. Why do you think? Why do you think? Why do I think? Because didn't some, have any help curse? around him. Some now curse. I was just talking to Brad Holmes about this, the GM for the Lions, and I asked him a tough question. I said, "Because you remember Barry wanted to be traded at the right. end for good reason, right?" And then Calvin. Something about those lions, but uh, I asked him if he would trade Barry Sanders, you know, because that would be the more progressive thing to do nowadays. A player wants out, they're going to hold him hostage. And Brad said, I would never trade away a good football player. Obviously, he was skirting the question. Even if he wants to go. Right. And (laughs) the funniest part about this is he just traded Matt Stafford. So, so his, so, so he's not doing what he says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the lions, I can't figure them out, but I'm excited about Dan Campbell. We should get Dan Campbell up to space. Okay. <laughs> that, that might break the curse. You know, Josh, who was an aerospace engineer from Tennessee, Josh Dobbs, quarterback. Josh Dobbs. He may be the next NFL player astronaut. You think he did an internship at NASA in the off season and, uh, he's got, he's got the right stuff, man. No way. I, I bet he is the next NFL or astronaut. Good for Besides him. you. Yeah. Well, you're going to go before him. I'm like, I'm like a friend of an astronaut kind yeah. of thing. You getting me in. I got you the, the pass right there. What about the movies, man? What, cause I, I was going to ask you, like when you watch these space movies, I have a few favorites, but are there some that, you know, like when I watch football movies, I'm watching it differently than right. Right. Do any of them come close to actually. Okay. So the movie that rocked my world I love Contact, Matthew McConaughey, and uh, is that one of your favorites? No, but I I'm, uh, go so, ahead. You got something about that? No, I'm just I'm an Interstellar guy. And so Interstellar it sucks. Interstellar me- blew my freaking mind, not in a good way. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I didn't. I wasn't not getting. A good way. I wasn't getting the books in the looking back. Yeah. I mean, the whole time, yeah. uh. the other dimensions of time. I'm not a you know astrophysicist person, right? mechanical guy who does you know hands yeah, you know yeah. i just it blew my mind man it, why did that blow your mind well i just i thought it was good but again like i'm not an astronaut so right. i don't know if any of this stuff's true like he gets off on that planet he gets right. off and everybody else in the spaceship is they were like where the fuck have you been right right which which planet is it that we were we were just talking about the planet venus Cowboy, venus that the 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 clouds yeah, yeah well but which one is it that, oh you mean that uh, if you get off uh, on that planet the, the, the red days, spot 
Well, that's there's one red spot. Well, here I am telling you because I've got on Wikipedia. <laughs> that red spot is this, is a storm cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's enormous. Huge. But what's the planet where their days are really long or whatever it is that would have some... Are there any planets that would have somewhat of an effect that Matthew McConaughey... Is there anywhere in space that you could go? So Neptune there and... Pl- I mean, yeah, Pluto's no Neptune, longer a planet yeah. because yeah. it got demoted. That's fucked up. We can get to it's that. It's a little bad, right? But it's because it's so far from the sun that it's orbit around the sun. So we are 365 days, right. 248 years mm-hmm. for a day. Yep. Wow. Think about that. But a human being would die of old age. Before they turn two. Right? <laughs> so like, they're, yeah, the, 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 listen, interstellar. If you count it in years, yeah, if yeah. you're living your life in years versus days, yeah. then I guess you would, you would die before you yeah. turn two. Yeah. You know. Forget the, the, the McConaughey you know, mind-bending kind of like pseudoscience. But you liked it, though. I did like I'm it. I'm trying to understand why. Why I liked it was it was a deep movie. It was a deep movie. I, you know, I don't need it to be. Right, right, I'm, right. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like you watching, I don't know, well, if you played football. It's like them watching some football movie. You know, here, you're critical of football movies and, and space <laughs> movies. That's got to be a hell of a burden. It's like right. 33% of all movies. That's true. Is there one that, that you actually blew your mind in a positive way? Because they were relatively on top of it. It was um, George Clooney and uh, Sandra Bullock. Gravity. In Gravity. Oh, shit. So, the Gravity was shot on a green screen. The whole movie was shot in green screen. And there was only one part of the movie that I'm like, who was the consultant? On it? Who was the astronaut consultant on this? Because, you know, when we go, when we launch from Florida, we launch, this is the planet, right? Right. I'm holding my fist. Fist is the plan. And we launch from west to east. So we launch this way. We're going around orbiting the planet from west to east. Right. When the space shuttle was coming up in gravity, it was going in the wrong direction. No shit. And I'm like, what the? Who? Yeah, that's the most basic. You know? And I said, they need to get fired. Whoever did that? But um, (laughs) but that was the only thing because everything else was, it looked, realistic to me and uh you know you had all of these i guess it was the chinese satellites were getting they were exploding and all this debris was coming and wiping out everything and they had to figure out how to get over to the space station and the Mm -hmm. shinzu and Mm -hmm. but just how you overcame all of these obstacles to survive Mm -hmm. and then when she came down you saw gravity right yeah when she came down remember she was in the ocean and she had on this parachute and she was trying to get out of her suit and she Almost, du- almost drowned. Yeah, it's not even like yeah. In all the other movies, you hit the 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 water and you're safe. Everybody's right, just right. celebrating. Like there's right. a whole another exactly. Set of, like when they hit the water, that's a motherfucker too. Yes. That never goes yes. perfectly. I would yes. imagine. Yes, but she had to swim and crawl and grunt and scratch. Yeah. to just live, man. Yeah, and that was powerful to me. That was that's pretty. Deep. And then everything looked like it looked when I was up there. Yeah. So I was, she was floating through the space station. I'm like, hey, that's where I left that box. So, you know. What <laughs> <laughs> well, was in the box? Well, so. You, you know. You know yeah, what's in the box. well, it's yeah. a wrong Brad Pitt movie. The, 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 the Ad Astra is the one I'm thinking. Ad Astra. Of. That's, that was deep, too. Really? I really liked that movie. I didn't like I thought Brad did a great job, and I loved the pacing of the movie mm-hmm. and the way the, the moon scene was crazy. Oh, with the, the rovers and yeah, the. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> but, but. You know, I'm just watching it as a fan. We were talking about gravity. gravity. You said... Contact. Yeah, like being out there, like outside the space space station. Like I remember some of those like kind of really riveting scenes. 
What's that? Is it just dead silent? Like, what's space sound like? If you were to listen to space outside of your suit, like in, I guess, what is it? A third of a second, you're dead. You know, because you're, you're, all the oxygen that's in your body is getting sucked out into the vacuum of space. So you're like imploding inside. Yeah. So you're and you're not hearing, hearing I mean, yeah. you might hear, you know, something like that real quick. <laughs> and then you're gone. Yeah. But there's no sound in space. Not because a bad way to vacuum. go. Is that a bad way to go? You Can think? you make that sound? No. <laughs> yeah. That's me exiting my own body. So it, that's not a bad, that's not the worst way to go. But would you want to go like that? No, I mean, but compared to some other like mundane bullshit, like yeah, like half tripping, a second tripping on a curb and hitting your head, and yeah, like yeah. give me the you know the half second of oh shit, and right. I died in space. But it wouldn't even be enough time to really realize that you're about to die. You know, you're just, that's the blissful part of it. I you, guess so. I you're guess. just permanently like, damn, I'm floating outside the ISS. Yeah, yeah. fixing a fucking oil pan, right. dude, yeah. or like an oil tank here, dude. A hydrogen tank, yeah. hydrogen yeah. tank. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I get my vernacular down. I'm I'm here for you, man. But what does it sound like if you weren't, if you had a recorder out there, like, you know, like spaces, we heard a black hole. Is it like the quietest, you know, they get the quietest room in the world in Minneapolis. Have you heard about this place? No, no. Yeah, it's the quietest place on earth. People can't hang out there more than five minutes. They lose their mind. Maybe you can Why? be there. Why? Because it's because they're hearing their mind? You're in your head. So do you have any, like, I have tinnitus, you know, my ears are always yeah. ringing. Yeah. And in that room, I'd probably be like, it's amplified. Amplified. Hearing my head yeah. speaking to me. So you, you, when you're in the suit, you're just hearing your breathing and you're hearing... You're breathing and then they're talking to you yeah. at the same time. That's so crazy. Trying to tell you what to do and come in. Here's one. How do you take a dump in space? Very carefully because everything floats. <laughs> right, dude. Okay, so I... You want to hear the story? Yes. Okay. It's you a, know. a R-rated pod, dude. <laughs> so... I get to space, my first mission. I'm the I'm the I'm the chief medical officer in space. Yeah. I'm not a doctor on the ground, I just play one in space, right? I got the training and so I had to give out, you know, the drugs and whatever to people that got sick or had to check on people if they were peeing and pooping, you know, quickly because if you don't pee in time, your bladder fills up. You don't even feel it filling up because when you pee on, on, on Earth, gravity pulls it down, there's a little sensor at the bottom that says, hey, I am full Gotta go, you know, take a leak. But up there, the urine is floating in your bladder. So you never get the sensation that you have to pee. Until it's just too full. Until it bursts. You oh. don't even, you don't even, you may not even get the urine coming down to that sensor that tells you you're full. So if you, if you haven't peed within like two or three days, you gotta get a catheter. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it just drains all out. You just gotta keep track of that. So I'm the one keeping track of that for all my, my colleagues. I'm like, hey, have you peed? Have you pooped? Have you peed? Have you pooped? <laughs> no one is checking on me. <laughs> You're like a parent. Pee and poop. Pee and poop. Pee and poop. Yeah, dude. And, and so I'm there eating everything. I'm hungry. I'm just throwing down, eating. Yeah. And I haven't pooped in like two days. And so I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go. So you go in. You got to take all your clothes off when you use the bathroom because if something floats, you don't want to get it on your shirt and have to throw your shirt away. Yeah, everything's right? white. Right. As I well, see in the movies, all the spacesuits are white. All the fucking. <laughs> we have like LL Bean, you, you know, yeah, yeah. polo shirts on. You got you know? a thermal. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you get leisure wear up there. Leisure wear, right. Yeah. Comfy wear. You're good. Comfy wear, yeah. So I'm in the bathroom trying to get this inaugural space poop off. And, <laughs> bro, it was like just kept coming. 
and the and the depth of the toilet's like this. Yeah. And my intestine is like, you know, this. Yeah. And it just I mean, so I had to rise up off the toilet and I look back. And it was like a snake, like do 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 do, like a snake charm. It was, you know, it was just like this. And I had to get a glove and like break it in half and push it down in there. And it can, was it was about smell to be in bad. Space? Oh yeah. So is the smell more more? It's intense. It's more intense because it's just like yeah. It's so like, like people in the Russian wing of the ISS are like, what? No, the but this fuck is, is a space on? shuttle. Oh, so it's even smaller. Space shuttle. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, our commander. You go outside, dude. <laughs> yeah, like without a suit on. <laughs> if you're bringing that kind of funk in no, here, uh, you need to go outside with no yeah, suit, yeah, dude, yeah. and not come back. Yeah. Oh my god. It was bad, man. But so the essentials then: you got to poop, you got to pee, right? You have to drink water, lots of water, right? Yeah. And that, is that you a can, challenge? Because when you come back, your um, so when your your heart gets smaller in space, you're not having to pump as much blood. Oh. Right? Because gravity is not pulling the blood down to you your feet. You got exercise, right? You got exercise. Yeah. 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 And your face kind of puffs up a little bit because there's more fluid yeah. coming up from, from the bottom. But uh, but when you get back, if you don't fluid load, you pass out because your orthostatic pressure is is very low and you can't keep the blood up in your head. Right. So a lot of people that get hot and don't fluid load coming home, they start walking and they go, eh, boom. I was going to ask, like, when you come home, you were up there, you said, you know, like, a couple weeks, right, like, right. which is a long-ass time. I was reading about this woman who's been there the longest. Sunny Williams, one of my classmates. Okay. She was there for, like, 200 days, but the guy, Mark Vandehyde, just came back 355 days in space. So, this, I feel like you got to have a certain gene or personality. Mindset, mindset man. But you have, you have the doctors, the shrinks, you've got your family you can talk to every day on a Zoom call. So you're, you're connected to your people, it's just you're away from them. It's like you're in training camp for eight weeks or six weeks or something or, you know, on the road or. Yeah, but I, can get, I can't go to the, the dining hall or to the hotel room no, or a dining hall run around on the football field. No, like, we got a treadmill. We okay, got a, we got okay. a resistive exercise yeah, device yeah. that you're doing bench, yeah. squat, um, deadlifts, curls, overhead press. Which of course looks much different in space. This is rubber bands room. that really? you're pushing against, and then you have a a bike called a cycle ergometer. Yeah, and then a treadmill. Sunny yeah. Williams ran the Boston Marathon in space. She had her number and everything. No way. She did her twenty six point what three two two twenty six point two. I like to do point three. I do too. Yeah, it's me and you, man. Twenty six point three. Yeah, in space. While Karen Nyberg, who was another astronaut, ran it on the ground. And they were comparing their numbers no while they were running. That was so cool. So cool. She thrived, sounds like. She's a, a Navy helicopter pilot, marathoner, and uh, she was a um, triathlete, too. Rare human being. When, when, when she lands, it's 230-something days, or your friend's 300-something days. Like, How long does it take to feel normal again? Yeah, for them, it's uh, if you work out two hours a day, you know, it used to be you lose bone density. So your bones would, because you're not loading your bones. Think right. about it. If you're on, on Earth, gravity tells you that yeah. you're loading yourself, you know, you're yeah. getting forces. But up there, if you don't do resistive exercise, your bone morphology changes to where you're like osteoporotic. Right. 
and then you come home, you get stress fractures. Oh, shit. So we had to have the resistive, the treadmill running because you're pounding, but a bungee is holding you down to the treadmill. Or you wow. step and shoom. That's that, crazy. The shoom is floating off from the treadmill if yeah. you, for our listeners out there. Yeah, it's just shoom. Hey, you did it with the hands and Bounce. everything. Shoom. So I forgot to ask you about this movie, First Man. Did you see that movie at all with uh, Ryan Gosling? No. So it's about the guys that went to the moon the first time. Right. Did you like it? Hear, I loved it. So you probably won't. Why? Because this was the first movie that I realized, and I don't know what you think about this from an astronaut branding standpoint. We grew up, and these astronauts are like, in my mind, my little astronaut figures and all that stuff, incredibly bright people, incredibly type A, amazing human beings, but I never thought of them as badass. Right. I think astronauts have like a branding issue where they should be thought of as like these absolute alphas that are like capable of pushing through anything that are total like just like they're they're almost zealous superhero invincible type yeah and their commitment to what they're doing like it's insane and first man was the first movie that 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 portrayed that that portrayed that i think properly for me because he was going in the spinning thing he was going in the pools like Mm -hmm. you were talking about Mm -hmm. like it was intense and right you know, he had lost a child and that sort of thing. He had uh, well, I did de- see that. dealt with a lot of tragedy. I, see, I, I fell asleep. And had to push through it. And I yeah, see, for him, I mean, it's nothing like the real thing. <laughs> but I love the movie First Man. And, you know, like it made me think about the moon and all that stuff. I almost wore my T-shirt today. We landed on the moon. Uh, it was the second T-shirt from the top. It's a shame. I should have grabbed it. I forgot who I had in. Um <laughs> But you know, there's a lot of people that still don't think we landed on the moon. Oh my God. I did a, I did a, a mini, a series on the truth behind the moon landing. Talk to me. You know, there was one, one, uh, conspiracy theory that when they got out of the vehicle, how could there be so much light coming up on them? You know, it was like, they were very reflective, even though, you know, the regolith, the, the moon dust if we did an experiment where we took something like moon dust and we shined the light on it and it, it came up and illuminated the astronauts. And so we did a series of little tests to show that, you know, some people said the radiation would kill going through this path to the moon, the three days to the moon, the radiation would kill you. We did a little test where this is the amount of radiation you would feel right. wasn't enough to take you out in, you know, that six day period or four day period. Um, but I mean, the people that have these conspiracy theories about not us, us going not to the moon, it makes me so mad because the people that did go to the moon that I know, like John Young, he is like a living legend. He's one of the most honest people I know. Right. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't lie about anything. Right. And so that there was this huge conspiracy that John Young was lying. You know, farm boy flew every airplane known to humankind, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo program walked on the moon and I lived around the corner from him. I would walk my dogs by his house and say, hey, Leland, those some pretty dogs, man. Hey. Yeah. He's in gardening, you know, just, you know, guys that are just salt of the earth. Yeah, just, you take, just, it's almost personal. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, bro, yeah. I know these people. So for some chucklehead to tell me that my, my guy here didn't go to the moon, yeah, it's like offensive to me. And then people that lost their lives yeah. trying to do this, like right. Apollo 1, you know? So you're you're kind of, slandering the people that gave their life to make our civilization better right is what they're doing right in my mind 
was the guy on the moon that that left a picture. One of the astronauts, Charles Duke. Uh huh. Charlie Duke uh-huh. had left a a picture on the moon, and they say that's going to last thousands of years just sitting there. Is that true? Because of the way it it, it so would or would not. There's no wind. Yeah. There's no atmosphere. Right. So there's nothing to make it tarnish or turn. I mean, the sun could make it fade, but it's it's not going to dissolve it. You right. Know? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. With no, without an atmosphere, nothing will will you know rot or go away. That speaks to the stillness up there. You got to go, man. You want to get still? I want to get real still, dude. And go to that room. Where is it, Ohio? I'm going to go to Minneapolis, Minneapolis first. And if I pass that test, <laughs> I'm going to the moon. Then you'll have the right stuff to go to the moon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> What's the coolest thing you've heard about the moon that people might not know from you know the movies or light reading from people that have been there? Yeah. But I think the coolest thing is that when the Earth collided with this asteroid i guess yeah which all of that stuff accreted and came together and then the moon was a byproduct of that collision yeah our days our 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 rotation used to be like something was only like two hours yeah our our day was was two hours was only two hours and then it became 24 hours when the moon started moving further apart so it 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 guides our 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 seasons our our um tides mm-hmm. and it controls the frequency in which the earth is turning every 24 hours if so, you control the ocean like you're spectacularly important and powerful <laughs> like if you can move the yeah, ocean yeah the ocean i mean think about it. three quarters of our planet is water yeah and the oceans yeah and you got control over that yeah those tides if you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, $200, 200 big ones on a $50 bet. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Do you think that in the next 10 years there's going to be some private expeditions to the moon for private citizens? Or... Are we going to colonize the moon? Is that something that like people still yeah. talk about and like realistically in, right. in NASA circles? So there's there's an Artemis program right now. Artemis uh, is going to send people back to the moon to live, and I know that um, SpaceX is think building the lander. So anything that SpaceX is building for NASA, they could eventually build it for private citizens to go and take a, a lunar ride also to would live. you go would you go to the moon yeah but not to live not until i have to i think we're gonna have to at some point why because of the us decimating our own climate planet. idiots is it inevitable that we have to push off here i don't think so okay i mean 2050 is when we say if we don't turn it around we're gonna have this environmental catastrophe yeah, yeah cataclysmic kind of thing 
I'm just hoping people will, you know, get hip to it and figure it out that we need to take care. I mean, a lot of people are doing it now, you know, and that I think we're talking about, you know, I've got, I've got a diesel tractor and a diesel truck and a diesel sprinter. You know, we talked about these yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're comparing sprinters. Yeah, yeah. But I just I just got a um a Tesla. Yeah. Because I think I and mean, the more of the driving I do with that, the better the hopefully environment will be. And um we gotta do something though, man. I would rather stay here than have to go somewhere else. Oh dude, people were talking about going to Mars. Can I just say this? I'm not really into Mars, dude. Why not? looks too hot looks too red would rather not be there you know what i mean i think it'd be hard to adjust to living (laughs) on mars do you are you as into mars as other people are into mars like why are we so particularly interested in mars why do we choose mars yeah it's the it's the besides the moon it's the closest planet right and there's signs that there was you know life there before and water lots of water right so is there water in these huge canyons i mean they're underground caves that are you know huge deep caves maybe there's water down there i know that nat geo did a show called mars and the people lived underground so they wouldn't have to worry about the dust storms ah. and the, so we could have cities underground that we come up for you know getting back home and and back but it's uh that's a possibility you said life Living. I mean, when they say life on Mars, I mean like, like the microorganisms. The little red man. Yeah, <laughs> not little red man. Or they... But do we know? We haven't talked about aliens yet. What do you yet. think? So when I got to space, my second mission, I like to say, when I got to space, you have I to say that. that. You're when have you to start say saying that, that. That's almost worth like <laughs> going through the, the whole Ryan Gosling thing with the fucking <laughs> thing. And <laughs> Come on, just to say when I go into space. But um, we were looking, we opened the payload bay doors of the space shuttle, right? right? That's one of the things we have to do. And we were looking in the payload bay, and there was this thing floating out of the payload bay. And it, was, it had curvature, it was translucent. And I was like, what is that? And I called Houston, I said, uh, Houston, you don't want to say Houston, we see an alien, because they get freaked, right? You don't want to say we have a problem. Yeah. You want to say Houston, we have a problem either. You just say, Houston, we see something. It's translucent. It has curvature. It's slowly turning out of the payload bay, going up, you know, from the shuttle. And we're trying to identify what it is. And they come back. Does the curvature look like hoses? I was like, yeah. You know how like in Alien, when the when the alien creature had all those kind of curved, mm-hmm. organic looking yeah. things? It, it kind of looked like that a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, that's just the ice that formed on the Freon lines that are rejecting the heat from the shuttle to the, to the doors, the, the, the panels. And it just broke off in one big piece. And then when it broke off, it probably just started, had a little rotation to it and just kept turning. Right. Because the turning made it look like it was moving out by itself. Right. But it was just, it was just it's ice. E- it's easy to your confirmation bias to take over yeah 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 and be like that's a living thing yeah i'm looking for it you're looking for it anyway so you guys talk about it you guys and gals talk about life up there yeah you guys like when you're shooting the shit you're like people trading stories about maybe some speculative exoplanets yeah we have planets out there we can't get to because we can't get there in in a, a person's lifetime so it's got water we've seen water we've seen temperature around the same as our as our planet 
So with water and temperature, there's life, yeah. usually. Yeah. So maybe there's some type of life there that we haven't seen. That's there, maybe evolving out of the ocean, maybe turning into something else. And I don't know. What does multiverse mean? Multiple universes. So like, I hear that a lot. Like parallel, parallel, parallel universes. Yeah, like basically there's so many, I don't know if this is, I'm butchering this thing, but I hear people talk about, you know, the possibility in me, I'm gullible, I'll go with it. But like, there are so many variations of where we live right now and infinite, you know. And space is expanding. Space too. is expanding. Right, so our new, a new universe is being grown out of this, maybe that's what the multiverse is, as we grow space yeah. we're getting these other ver you know verses well i mean i'm i'm like who's to say there's not another planet just like this well i mean we've identified there are planets that are the goldilocks zone yeah. right just right right just right for for life we have those planets out there we just can't get to them and that's in our purview yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah there are there's a ton we don't know like maybe like uh 10 light years away there's a Goldilocks planet they're sitting out there. How long would that take to get there for a human being? That's an exoplanet. So one year, 10 light years, it's the speed of, it takes you the speed of light, which is three times 10 to the eight meters per second squared. I don't know how many miles, but. Hold on, let me do this calculation. Yeah, do it. <laughs> but, you know, the speed it takes, the, the distance it takes light to travel in one year. Right. Right. So. Which to me seems very it's a crazy fast yeah, 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 yeah. not attainable yeah. for human beings. A light year is approximately six trillion miles. So I guess sixty trillion if you're talking about ten. Sixty trillion miles. Six sixty trillion, trillion six. miles yeah. means Bro. the same to me as ten light years. Bro. No idea. So think about this. We're the people think we are in space and we're so far away. The space station is the distance from Washington, DC to New York, about two hundred and forty miles. Right. Which is nothing. No. The the moon is two hundred forty thousand miles. Right. And the sun is ninety three million miles away. Yeah. And this is sixty trillion. One light. What? I mean, how are we getting there? We're not. Right. Unless we get warp speed. How do we Star Trek warp baby. speed, man? Star Trek. How do we do that? I didn't Wait, watch. Star so what Trek. is your? Oh, you didn't watch Star Trek? No, nah, dude. What's wrong with you, man? I'm 37. I know, I understand. <laughs> but I'm the, not enough light years old <laughs> to watch Star Trek. But remember, well, if you if you saw Star Trek, they have this thing called the tricoder, and they just open it up and, yeah. and it makes this noise, and it's like the little it's like a little cell phone. Yeah, we have that now on the iPhone. Yeah, you know, so we have things that have come from space technology from the 60s. Now, you know, science fiction became science fact. Right. We never went off the planet before. Now we're flying to, we're, we have we have two voyage, we have two um, satellites called Voyager 1 and 2. They were launched in 1977. They are at a place right now outside of our solar system. It's called the heliopause. It's where our sun has no influence on them. Like right. we have a solar wind that pushes. It's out of the out of the range of our own sun. And it's like, they're past, but they've been they've been flying since 1977. Nuclear power, unbelievable. And they're still sending data back to us. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's eerie. 
it's kind of it's eerie but cool, right? It like is interstellar cool. cool. Yeah, well, you or know, interstellar now you got eerie. Me. Now you got me. Now interstellar got me. Yeah, eerie yeah, is what it is. Talking into the Zoom. <laughs> yelling at murph and that was your favorite space movie well i'm a big matthew mcconaughey fan okay. so for me i get swept up in the like i'm not as into like hey is this realistic it's right but contact then let's go back to contact then yeah he was matthew mcconaughey was in that movie yeah you saw yeah, that movie right yeah. no i haven't seen contact yeah, hey, what, and, what, that, yeah. and that whole movie was about faith yeah and because he was a man of faith that was trying to advise the president jodie foster was an atheist yeah who was going on the space mission and when she, you want me to tell you or not? No, tell me. You can spoil it. So when she went on this mission, she was gone for like, you know, hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was, she was like teleported to this other alien place. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you looked at someone filming it, she dropped through this thing like in one minute and it was, the mission was over in one minute, but she experienced it much longer than like that. Like Matthew McConaughey's right. friends. Right. So everyone said, they faked it. It was a lie. Right. But then she and her deliberations in the court, they were like, but you got to have faith. Even yeah. though she was an atheist, you got to have faith. Yeah, yeah. And he backed her. And it was, dude, check it well, out. That's, that's why I asked you about that. And I'd never seen contact because uh-huh. I just feel like. Because you're 37. Well, I'm 37. But also <laughs> like if there, you know, if, if something's in the Bible. Right. You know, the Bible talks about things like there's nothing else but right. this. Right. And right. so, like, I know it must be for some right. a little bit of there's some cognitive dissonance there. Like, when you if you're very faithful and you go up in space right. and you're right. like, well, if they had this whole thing figured out, we are such a small piece of this puzzle, you know. But the firmament, but that's past space, though, isn't it? Right. I don't know. I'm yeah. a theologist. You're not. No, not not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm gonna do that after I go on the moon. Well, that's after the multiverse. Yeah, that's after the multiverse. <laughs> you know, like I hit you with the multiverse. But you talk about aliens and all this, this you know, life and space. Like I feel like if somebody's coming down here and we spot a UFO, which by the way, do you think all the UFOs are anomalies? Like when they're like, oh, it's a flying object, can they all be explained? Like you know how they go to, it's, yeah. a, it's a balloon or it's yeah, Area Fifty One. And but these pilots are all like coming out and i don't know about droves. Some but, say they've seen them. Some say they haven't. I right. mean, it's a, it's a mix, right? But the people that have seen them. To your point, when you talk about your friend who you lived near in Houston, talking about walking on the moon, you've got some of these folks that have flown dangerous missions all over the world. They've done remarkable things, and they're saying, "I've seen, I saw yeah. something that's yeah. not fucking right. It's right. not right. an airplane." It's hard to. It's hard. Of course, you can't accept it until you make contact with that aircraft and like confirm it. Right. But uh, it's hard to ignore it. No, I hear you. No, I mean, again, like the moon, right? You can, yeah. It's the argument both ways. Just because someone is honorable, did they not go up and do it because we were having this big ruse on yeah, yeah. trying to get money to yeah. do it, you know? To say, we went to the moon, we're going to keep going to the moon, so we need more money. But then they really hadn't been to the moon, but they're yeah. saying they went to the moon to get the money from the government to go to the moon. Exactly. I mean, like, and if I'm pessimistic... Depending on which way I look at it, I could write it all off. But I also think that some people think if aliens came down here, they just immediately land and do all this shit. If they came this far, they don't need us. They don't need this. If they came this far... Maybe they, they need us as fuel or food. Maybe, but they would have already eaten us, wouldn't they? I don't know. It, it's, it's, 
Yeah, maybe so. That's a maybe little so. trippy. Or maybe they bit into me and they said, oh, no, nah, we don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That guy has That's stuff floating, floating out. Jack, bro. The former football player. <laughs> if you could go anywhere and see anything in our solar system and you had the ability not to travel 10, mm-hmm. you know, trillion miles or whatever it is uh and it was just like hey you had that star trek shit right which planet would it be which moon would it be is there something you're like that sounds so yeah no it's a good question i think i would want to be on the space station looking back at our planet with a zoom lens seeing people getting the hell along seeing kids from every zip code getting access opportunity and belief in themselves to rise because you know we only have one planet that we can live on right now and for me to 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 make sure that we're taken care of before we go somewhere else is most critical for your kids for your grandkids one day for my my nieces i mean i have for my dogs yeah you know because we Good can, looking dogs, by the way. Well, thank you, brother. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. The roadies, yeah. 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 But uh, you know, we gotta take our home base, man. If you're not if you're not if you're if you're if your guys aren't blocking for you, yeah. What what's the use of even mm-hmm. having a team? Yeah. You know? So home team, home planet, look back here and now the second thing, if I were to go somewhere else, I would probably wanna go to uh Mars. Big Mars guy. I believe we should go to the moon first and figure it out and then go to Mars. But I mean, when you explore, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. And it's the journey with who you go with. Yeah. You know, so if you're with your boys and you're going on a journey, you know, you're in the car, you're cruising, you got your stuff, you're having a good time. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. Because you're doing it together and you're finding out what life is all about and finding about who needs water before they get pissed off. And you know, you're finding all these things. That's a really good scouting report that you guys did doing those little hikes, man. Critical, critical. So it doesn't happen in space and know yourself and know yourself. Sun Tzu. The other thing. Yeah. The other thing was I learned from that was self care before group care. If you're out helping everyone else getting their pack ready and everything, and you don't have your stuff together and it's nine o'clock time to go, and you're not ready, you just slowed everyone down. Well, I think that's the same in, in like life, like family, friendship, business. But we don't anything. do it though. Like you gotta. We don't do it. Because a lot of people who are fairly driven are thinking of other people all the time. Right. right you know, right. And, and you're not securing your life, your life vest or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, put and, your oxygen mask on first. Put your oxygen mask yeah. on first. I think it's one of the best like life pieces of advice, you know, you could get is like, you gotta take care of number one. It's not inherently selfish to make sure you're solid before you run out and start saving the world. But your bear cubs, you see your bear cubs first, right? Yep. And you want to say, oh, you want to help. Yeah. yeah. Guys, you got to, and then you yeah. yeah, no question. How hard was it? We talked a little bit offline about this. You talked about like helping each other and that's a nice kind of, you know, message for people. How hard was it to be around all these really brilliant people, but encounter ignorance, you know, when yeah. you first got, to NASA, I mean, you you told me some anecdotes. How yeah. I, I mean, how can such smart people be so ignorant? And and how many black astronauts were there before you? Yeah, there were uh, probably eight. 
eight yeah. or nine. Short list. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I mean, you can be as smart as a whip, but still have your, your isms, you know, just because you're, I mean, back in, in, when I was working at NASA in Hampton, this electrical engineer, this guy came up, we were looking at, I was looking at buying this house. He was looking at the electrical panel. We pulled the, the cover off and it was just crazy wiring, right? And the guy says, man, that looks like it was in rigged. It was a nigger rigged. I was like, what did you say? I said, that looks like it was, he said the same thing. And I wanted to see if he do it three times. And he said, yeah, it looks like it was there, Rick. I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean? Oh, you're, oh my God. I'm, I, I didn't realize what I was saying. But in where he was from in Tennessee, that was the word they used for shoddy, shoddy, you know, work. Yeah. And he didn't have any black friends. And so that was what was used. Yeah. So that's all he knew for shoddy work was nigger rigged. And, you know, I said, dude, if you've been someone else, you would have been on the ground with two less teeth if you had said that to the wrong person. But he was a good guy. You know, he was a good guy. And, and I just knew he had not been exposed to a lot of people of color. But I wasn't going to hit him or anything, but I just said I, that was a learning moment for him. Preservation of life for him Yeah. to not use that term anymore, you know, around people that would jack him. <laughs> I mean, but it's exposure, it's experience. It's, but you that's know, a very patient mindset. It had to be because, but to say it three times and not, not have the, the wherewithal to know who he was talking to. Now, if I had been like a pipe fit, remember that uh, Ving Rhames in uh, Pulp Fiction? That was yeah. before your time, too. Yeah, right? no, we were just talking about Pulp Fiction the other day. I'm going to get me a pipe fit and you're going to get yeah. medieval yeah. on your... Yeah, that would be an ugly ass That kicking. would be ugly, ugly, yeah. Yeah, if you went ugly. Ving Rhames on him. <laughs> yeah. or, or just me Ving Rhames him. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's still probably not enough representation. No, it's... Uh, they're talking about sending the first woman in person of color to the moon in the Artemis program. Yeah. And I think there are people that are like, well, why are you sending them? Why don't you just send the best people? Well, there were 18, after the Martian, do you see the Martian? Yeah. Matt Damon? Yeah. After the Martian. Garden. He was way too fucking happy to be up there on Mars, in my opinion. <laughs> Did you like it? You would have been that happy. <laughs> You were like, I'm here, I'm on Mars, I got a garden and everything. I didn't love the marsh. Because of of the poop and the potatoes? No, I just thought it was too light. I feel like it's got to be harder to be on Mars. I feel like... No, dude, come on. It's got to be heavier. He he got left for dead at the beginning of the movie. He's Matt Damon. He he had a puncture in him. (laughs) You know, he was sewing his body up, you know? yeah. You're right. I mean, it's hard, it but it was a Disney good. movie. It was a Disney movie. There was too many one-liners. There was too many, like, the whole theater's laughing. I'm like... So, you wanted to be more like uh, First Man? First Man. is. I love First Man. I can't wait for you to watch First Man and absolutely burn I it to the ground. I did see it, actually. I saw it. And, and disappoint. <laughs> you can call me later and i be like, yeah, that movie sucks, too. <laughs> the, the spinny thing, they don't even do that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we just still do that. Okay, you do the Centrifuge? Spinny. Yeah, Centrifuge. Yeah, yeah. We did... I did... I did that. Did we all puke? do that. Did you puke? No. Does anybody puke while they're in there and they can't get them off? And it's just puke everywhere? 
there's puke in the zero g airplane yeah you know you're doing a parabola yeah. you get to the, like a roller coaster you yeah, get to the top no, yeah. 25 seconds of weightlessness and then yeah and then it's like just uh-huh. floating now i puked in space same thing with the poop it was different <laughs> <laughs> so you know i had the horrible poop situation thing going and and then when we got to space i ate a ham sandwich it was like underneath my seat and i ate this ham sandwich i was like i was starving and so i'm like what, what what's this what 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 yeah i didn't feel sick but i knew i had to throw up and we have these bags that are preloaded in our in our shirt and so we pull them i pulled it out but i missed oh no and i had a richmond spiders hat on you know university of richmond spiders hat so the vomit went out of my mouth hit the brim of the hat so i'm like looking up from the mid deck up to the commander and the pilot because other guys were down yes. you know they weren't feeling it yeah looking at the looking and they're like oh my god Lilo's down too <laughs> and i'm like coach i'm okay put me back in <laughs> with a vomit veil right right in front of my face it's like just yeah it's just like floating looking through it <laughs> floating it's floating because the brim of the hat pushed it back down to like right in front of my face so i, I wiped it all yeah. off got it all up and then I'm looking back. Put me in, coach. I'm ready, man. <laughs> I've got vomit in my eyebrows. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. What's it's, he exfoliating with? Yeah, right, right. It's I mean, that's crazy, just fucking so. unbelievable, but dude. Cleaned up and got back in the game. Well, when I puke in space, I'm gonna handle it. I'm gonna make sure to turn my hat backwards. Turn your hat and hit the hit the bag. Hit the bag. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to turn the hat back. You just hit the bag. That's you know. Good. I gotta ask this question: Has anybody ever had sex in space? That's a very good question. Well, let me preface it with, I did not. <laughs> no, no, you would You got a great poker face. <laughs> That's a very good question. But uh, it is possible. It is possible. If you had to guess, do you think anybody's gotten busy in space in the history of, of man? Of humankind, right? Of humankind. There's been a lot of spaceships up there now. So if I had to say that someone had or had not... Yeah, two I was single people on the ISS. Plus, or are not single, I mean, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mean there's zip code rules I've heard people <laughs> refer to. I mean, there's definitely, when you're... What happens on ship stays on ship. Yeah, when, ha- what happens outside there is atmosphere. <laughs> and you can't be on one of those private, uh, you know, fucking right. Amazon space shuttles. Right, they they, right, they don't right, fly right. there. Right. You gotta really be in NASA. So you're saying, have there been NASA or other astronauts? I just feel like somebody had to try it. It's possible. I'm setting the odds. You're a gambler? I'm not a gambler. What are we setting the odds at, Matt? Plus 500, probably. I was Plus 500? Plus 350, which means five to one chance it hasn't happened. But if you take the, if you take the money, if you take the dog, you might, you might, it might pay well. So, yeah. I'll do a little research and get back to you. Thank you. How's that? Do the same thing on First Man. Okay. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Um, how about this book before we let you go? What talk to me about the book? I just got my present. Yeah, uh, I got yeah. my patch. I got a book. Yeah, I'm hype. It's uh, chasing space. Yeah, it's uh, living your life with grit, grace, and second chances. Yeah, and I've always had second chances, like getting a chance to fly when they told me I'd never fly. You know, when I was a kid, you know, it was some stuff that happened to me as a kid that didn't tell my dad because I knew my dad would probably kill the guys that did what they did. Um, but just this journey of, you know, trying to do, do the things 
extraordinary things from a simple from a simple beginning and, and journey and all the people along the way that have helped that if I didn't have this person in my life that this thing would have happened. And so it's a it's just a journey, man, of trying to live the best life and, and rise, you know. That's so cool, dude. Yeah. And you've you've got a TED talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that like? That was you got a book and TED talk. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, to be able to to, to be able to say what you want to say to help inspire and motivate other people. And the the whole thing about the TED talk it was just about um, how we can overcome obstacles. I mean, you work with a lot of people to help them get through tough times yeah. and things and get guys to the top of a mountain. Man, yeah. that's that's powerful. Yeah. And uh, how we can all help people rise and, and make the world a better place. That's maybe, what it's about. maybe you join me one year. We were, we I am. were bullshitting no, no, about. Maybe I am. Okay. Hey, okay. if an astronaut says he's he's going to be somewhere, I feel like he's going to be somewhere. So. <laughs> Leela Melvin, uh, thank you for the time, man. This has Appreciate been awesome. You, you got to come back more. We could probably do ten hours of this, but I know uh, we have. So you watch Contact. Yeah, I'll watch, watch First Man. First Man without falling asleep. You <laughs> and then yeah. we'll we'll have a little yeah. discussion. That's good, man. All right, all right, that sounds good, awesome. bro. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Likewise. I appreciate it. It's been been a good time. Very fun. Good to have a friend in studio. There we go. I'm